0: that is the best part about seasonal work on a ship is I get to do what I love for eight months. I get to travel and see the world and not have to spend any money. And then I get back to New York and don't have to, like, struggle as much. (laughs) Still a struggle because you can, you know, like I said, I rent a thousand dollars plus subway and, you know, everything you need to get around. uh,
1: You can blow through your bank account really fast if you're not careful. This is The Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. Here I am with my f- good friend Pasquale Crociata. He is on the Norwegian Jewel this season and he stopped in Ketchikan, Alaska today. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. How are you?
1: Wonderful. Uh, we just had some delicious Asian food and I did. we're ready to talk. Yeah, I'm so, excited. You're from Long Island?
0: Yes, I am. grew up on Long Island.
1: And tell me about the the journey you've been on. To get to Ketchikan, Alaska, because you, right now, you are almost finished with an eight-month contract singing on Norwegian Jewel, mm-hmm. and you've done how many cruise contracts have you done? This is just my second, so
0: okay. uh, yeah, my last one was on Holland America Line, which is when I met Joey two years ago. Um, yeah, the journey on a cruise ship uh, is an interesting one, especially for a performer. Um, for other individuals who work on the ship, they kind of go through a normal hiring process like you would for any other job. Um, and, but for a performer you audition multiple times normally, depending on the season and what you're interested in, um, for various different shows, um, that whatever company you want to work for is doing. So this year for Norwegian, um, My first audition um, was back in March of 2017, and uh, they asked me to prepare some songs from a variety of their shows because they have a lot of different shows on a lot of ships. Unlike like Holland, which basically had like three packages of shows that they put on their ships, they've got Norwegian has a pool of I don't even know 15 maybe shows, and then they're scattered throughout the fleet.
1: Now, these shows, are they, like the review shows, have a bunch of pop songs and dancing Mm -hmm. involved. Are they all like that, or are there some other
0: Um, theater ones as well? Yeah, for the most part,
1: um, they are.
0: They all have their kind of theme of pop shows, whether it's rock or funk or uh, swing, so there's some jazz. um, There's a show that's kind of based around, like, the Beatles. And then you have, depending on the ship again, you'll have, for us, it's a big like, Cirque du Soleil show. And we don't actually sing real words for most of it. It's like Uznaz to like the theme of Pirates of the Caribbean is one of the numbers. And um, we have one song called Let Me Fall, which is actually from Cirque du Soleil. So it's a song, I think, that they originated. And so we have it in one of our numbers. Um, and then there's another show called Elements. That is another kind of aerial show that involves a, a magician on board as well. He's in that show with the cast and... That's, again, kind of ooz and ahs, background vocals. Um, but, yeah, if you're singing for a review show, it's either that or pop songs from whatever your show is about. There's a whole show called um, Blazing Boots, which is all country. So it's a full country show, and then ours is more disco, um, our review show.
1: Is the Blazing Boots... Is that on your boat? Do you do that one? It is not. We
0: thought, so We I, I'm actually the closing company of Band on the Run, which is the disco show I just mentioned. And there was rumors that Blazing Boots was going to replace it. Um, it is not, unfortunately. Um, Blazing Boots is on a, a lot of ships right now for Norwegian. It's a really popular show. Um, got really, the audiences really like it, but for us, our show is known for the circus element. Um, we have a really big show that I'm actually doing tonight, um, that involves a resident aerial couple on board. So they have their show earlier in the week and then we come together to do a show with them. So all of our dancers do aerial in that show, the aerial couple does aerial in that show. And then we're kind of the hosts, if you will, of the show. So I play a clown, there's a ringmaster, there's a doll and, um, yeah, so they're actually putting on another circus show on the ship because the aerial is so intense that they figured, why not make
1: another and aerial you, show? You told me that some of the aerials happen over the crowd. right? Yeah,
0: so um, unlike a lot of other ships, a lot of most ships do something like that in their show somewhere, and it's normally on the stage. And um, we have throughout the show, there is aerial that's done above the audience with no. Like net or anything um, for the Spanish web, which is like the rope that people spin on. That's really impressive. And then the finale has silks in the aisleways. And then there's one number particular that I help out with that is like a trapeze bungee where he is directly above the audience and we kind of distract the audience and smoke happens on stage and you think he's getting something's happening and then he falls from the thing and like bounces up basically above your head and it always last week actually we had so he was above i'd say like it was like five teenagers it was like three girls and two guys and they screamed their faces off (laughs) (laughs) like to the point where on the recording because every show on on ships are recorded from the sound booth um you can actually hear our our stage manager laughing so loud la- because like <laughs> it was such a loud scream, like he startled them so much. Um, but yeah, that one's we always gets a big reaction because the people never see that on ships where it's happening above your face or in front of your face if you're those teens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So did you? Did you go to college for music theater?
0: I did. I went to Pace University, which is downtown um, in Manhattan, right next to the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, It is currently actually just released a big thing. It's number four in the country for BFA, for uh, acting and musical theater. So it's a really, really good competitive program. And somehow they let me in. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you graduate from Pace. Where do you go after that?
0: Um, I moved uptown to Washington Heights um, with a girlfriend at the time. And basically I got a job at a restaurant and was your stereotypical actor in New York that you see on the TV and the movies where you're bartending or, you know, serving tables at night. And in the morning you are taking vocal lessons, dance classes, um, or, or waiting around all day to audition for whatever show is casting right. that day. There's always something auditioning in New York City every single day whether it's Broadway, a national tour, um, a theater in Kansas, a regional theater there might be in the city auditioning for their whole summer season or their winter season. And especially back then, when I did not have representation, you go to what's an open call. So it's normally a few hundred people in a room waiting around to be seen. Especially as a singer, you get seen for maybe 30 seconds to sing a song. Wow. Yeah, so you're waiting all day to sing a song that's appropriate for whatever show you're auditioning for. So if you're auditioning for, I don't know, when I auditioned for the National Tour of In the Heights, which is basically after I graduated, I auditioned for the second tour of that, um, I decided to sing Jason Mraz because he kind of raps a little bit in his pop songs. So I figured it was probably a good balance of them hearing me sing and maybe doing a little bit of rapping because the show has some rap in it. Um, So that was my 15, 30 seconds with that And then if they like you, which thankfully they did, I got a call back and I got material sent to me that night to learn for the next morning. So I learned songs from the show and then I sang those for the casting directors as well. And then I stayed around. They told me to hang around. You wait more. You go get lunch somewhere. You come back and you do it again. And then if they like you, they'll probably have you back the next day to dance. And then if they like you, they'll give you sides. So you'll do some of the scenes from the show and then finally, you'll have, like, a big session with, like, the producers. Um, back then, Lynn manuel Miranda was involved uh, in casting a lot of productions of In the Heights. So I did not make it that far, but I know some people who were there and did audition for him in the end because he wants, he likes to have his hands in making sure it's the best product. So, yeah, that's kind of a normal audition where you would, uh, you know, especially if you're fresh out of college without an agent or anything, you wait around with a couple hundred people, maybe five hours, saying 30 seconds, hopefully you hit all your notes and they liked whatever you did, you'll come back the next day with stuff that they give you to learn within 24 hours. Do that from the show, and then you'll dance the next day, and it's a long process. The worst part is, after all that, let's say you made it to the very end, and they don't want to cast you. You just won't hear anything. You normally don't even get a no.
1: They just ghost you. Yep. <laughs> oh, no.
0: So you just, like, wait around and wait till... Basically, what everyone does is... Wait until there's a cast list announced for whatever, and if you're not on it, then clearly you didn't get it. Obviously, if you got the job, you'll know quicker than anybody else. But other times, you're just waiting, and you don't know if it's been casted yet. So it's kind of a long process, lots of rejection and heartache. And so the best thing to do is just wake up the next day and audition for something else. Right. And just try and forget about it, and that's basically what you Probably do. You. You. you just keep learning new songs that are appropriate for different shows, and yeah, every day is. Basically, you're working. You're working every day.
1: When did uh, the cruise ships come on your radar?
0: I've been auditioning for ships for a while, to be honest. I've never really wanted to to take one and leave New York because I just felt like going away for such a long time was wasting a lot of opportunity in the city. So the only ones I auditioned for back then were the musicals on ships because Norwegian and Royal Caribbean um, have actual Broadway shows on some of their ships. So back then, I think Norwegian just had rock of ages and legally blonde and Royal Caribbean had Chicago and hairspray. So that's all I was ever going in for, for ships. And I would get a couple of callbacks normally for legally blonde, but I never actually booked those shows. Um, it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I auditioned for Holland America and a lot of other ship companies that I actually did want to leave. I was tired because, like I said, you're working every day. Even if it's your day off from the restaurant, you are preparing for an audition or you're waiting at an audition. So it's kind of nonstop. And I think that's the biggest misconception that people have about people who are seriously pursuing the dream is, you really are kind of rehearsing something all day. Whether it's a callback material they have to learn for the next day, whether it's a new song because you're an audition in a few weeks, but you don't have anything appropriate for that show, for that style of show. You know, whether you're taking a dance class, you know, it really is um, exhausting. And then, you know, you have to pay for rent somehow, so you normally go to your day job or night job as well. Um, so I was just getting burnt out, so I really wanted to leave. So that was when I went hardcore, and I went to like some open calls, I emailed for appointments. Um, At this point I did have a manager, so I had someone also sending me out. and So I was just getting a lot of appointments for ships. Um, I was in for Royal Caribbean for their um, review shows. I was in for, they also do Saturday Night Fever. I was there for that. They were putting Grease up, so I was in for that. And um, basically, like I said, I got to the end of all those auditions um, and then I was just waiting around for an offer. Um, didn't hear anything. Like I said, not even a no, I followed up and didn't get a response even. And they tell you to follow up if you don't hear within two weeks, didn't get a response. So that was hilarious. No
1: response to the follow up. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Literally they're like, you know, when you make it to the end of, of a cruise ship audition, you'll fill out paperwork, which has your sizes on it. Um, so they can, cause uh, that's actually a big part of Casting on ships because all of the costumes live on the ship, and yeah, they can alter them, but not too much. So if you don't actually fit into a costume within reason, you, that's that could be a reason you literally don't get a job on a ship.
1: They're looking for the shape.
0: Yeah, they kind of just want someone to be able to jump into those clothes with minimal alterations. You know, if you're the last guy was five eight and you're six four, I don't know if they have enough fabric in those rolled up in those <laughs> jeans to make it happen.
1: Probably not going to work out.
0: Yeah, so. Yeah, with Royal and other ships, they tell you to follow up, and they'll give you a contact email that you know you'll never get unless you get to that point. Followed up, got nothing, and then I got an email from Holland America asking to come in for a replacement audition. So I learned four songs overnight that I'd old, never heard of in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah, literally never heard any of these songs. What so- does that process look like? it's stressful um so basically i would i got the music from from the casting team and it was um a song called hollywood which is a michael buble song that i think is an original on some random album um a song called take me to the pilot which is elton john some people might know it i never heard it. i love that song yeah it's a great song um so Take me to the pilot i never heard it at the time um and then a British band, uh, Take That, I think they're really big in the, over uh, in the UK. So I had to learn one of their songs. And then, um, so basically, what that entails is I email a friend who plays piano really well. And then he sends me the backtrack. So, what I would basically be hearing in an audition. So, he'll play the piano part. And then I stayed up all night rehearsing the songs to that piano part that it was sent to me because I don't play piano very, very well. Slash it all. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, then the next morning I went in and sang the songs at the studios uh, for RWS. And um, felt like it went pretty well. They were shocked that I didn't need to hold any music in my hand um, because I had learned everything so quickly. And this was the first time something like that's ever happened to me. I was walking home and I got a call from my agent because they had offered me the job. So it was out within like two hours later. I had had the job offer from Holland America. Um, and that is so rare. Like no one does that. Like I know that they, they needed a replacement, but it was, I still, they still had time. I don't know. It was very strange. I've very rare that you'll leave an audition and get a, get an offer like that. Normally they make you sweat.
1: You just, you came in, you crushed it. And they're like, what are we, what are we here talking about? More or less,
0: I guess. Um, so that was it. And then I, you know, started rehearsing, and uh, what's nice about RWS, what made it easier to accept that contract, was that it started in a week, but it rehearsed in New York City. Um, so I lived about a fifteen-minute walk from where they actually rehearse in oh, the that's city. Nice. Yeah, so I was able to stay in my apartment and not have to worry about it because, um, Norwegian rehearses in Tampa, um, Royal Caribbean rehearses in Miami, Disney rehearses in Toronto, Canada, actually. Hmm. Um. Um, I can't remember where Celebrity is. I think it's also... It's somewhere in Florida as well. But so everywhere... They're kind of all over the place. Um, there's a company, Stiletto, that rehearses in LA for... I think they still do some ships. And then there's Belinda King, which has a couple of ships. They rehearse in London. And then Aida Cruise Line is a German line, and they rehearse in in Hamburg in Germany. So this was easy for me. I was like, great. It started in a week, and I got to stay home. and off have to pack until rehearsal's over. Um, yeah, and then... You know, I came up here, I met you, and had a decent time. I was with some interesting people, so it wasn't the best contract. That can make or break it, honestly, because you're stuck with the same 12 to 14 people. You sleep near each other across the hall with them. You eat with them. You work with them. You can't escape them. And if you have some people who are not nice, it really is a long eight months at sea.
1: Because you, I mean, you can only leave the boat once every couple days, and even then, just for, like, four or five hours.
0: Yeah, so um, there's a thing on all ships called IPM. It's in port manning, and it's basically, for security purposes, they need a certain number of crew on board at all times. And everyone's assigned, like, a function or a color, depending on the ship. And, um, yeah, every port day, it rotates on a schedule, like, who can't get off that day. So, yeah, sometimes you're stuck on the ship for... You know with sea days maybe three or four days in a row and then you know you can get off and then it'll be your IPM in a couple more days and you can't get off what is nice about Norwegian is singers do not have any IPM so I've been very fortunate this time to be able to get off the ship every single port day which has been
1: a blessing so what is uh, sort of like a normal day as the singer on a cruise ship
0: well um, it really depends. So what is nice about chips in general um, is when you're rehearsing for them, you're in rehearsal from anywhere from four to six weeks, depending on how many shows you're learning and, and stuff. So you'll be rehearsing, normally it's like nine, you know, it's like a nine to six. So a typical work workday, um, sometimes a little bit longer, um, all day, every day, just like cramming in this the songs, the choreography, everything. And then the next day you're moving on, so you normally go home into your apartment and continue learning everything so that you don't forget it because, you know, you don't want to get in trouble because you will potentially get in trouble. And if you're really falling behind, you might just get fired in rehearsal. So you kind of go home and keep rehearsing and then sleep and wake up and do it all over again. And you normally have one day off. It's normally a Sunday. Um, So you do, you know, six days a week all day, every day, cramming these
1: shows in. And then you're probably cramming the show in on Sunday as well.
0: Yeah, your day off is not really a day off. Unless, like, you you finish a show, so you don't have anything to do. Um, Normally, you'll you'll do, like, a run for the whole office. We'll come and watch a show, and then you'll start the next show. So on that day, people, we normally go out and party. But, um, yeah, it's all day, every day. There's no real time to, like, get crazy because you're back in the morning. Um, So the reason that's really hectic, but nice because then you get on board and it's muscle memory at that point. So you don't rehearse on board, which is really nice. So if it's not a show day, there's your, you're not doing it. You're sleeping in, you're, you know, hanging out on board. It's basically binging a vacation, TV shows. binging television shows. Um, you do actually get weighed on the ship. So you have to stay within a, you're within a weight that you got on board. So, you know, you are required to go to the gym so people work out and just hang out. It's it's the days off are really nice, and we're fortunate enough to have a lot of them um, because most people that work on the ship don't have like a full day off. Except like they'll have, I think they're required to have one full day off, but outside of that, it's like a couple hours here or there. And we have multiple full days off where maybe we'll have a responsibility for like an hour. Um, that's really it. Uh, but on a show day like today, um, I woke up and we had. Um, our tech rehearsal at 10 a.m. So that, you know, get up, stretch, warm up your voice. Um, If you have any costumes that you need to make sure you can get into, you'll set them where they uh, go backstage. And then you'll do the show for no one, um, just to make sure everything's running properly, that, you know, you remember where you're going. And um, that's also the time where if there was something that was a train wreck, you'd stay back and, like, fix it before the show. And then we're in, obviously, we're in Ketchikan today, so we're able to get off for a few hours, um, the show is, we all have kind of intense makeup that we wear, so we'll get back on the ship and then around five, depending on the girls, normally start getting ready, I think around four 30 and the guys about five, five 30. Um, so we'll start getting ready backstage for the seven fifteen show. So a couple hours before we'll head back, we'll do some more stretching and warm up. If, if people need it, we'll start putting on our makeup, setting our costumes backstage because there are some pretty quick, changes for some of the dancers. And yeah, then we'll do the show at 7 15. Um that'll it's about like an hour. We'll have a little bit of a break, do another show at 9 15. And then um yeah, then 10 15 rolls around the show's done. There's another event tonight that the dancers dance at almost immediately after. So they'll run upstairs, wipe off all their makeup, put on new clothes, and then run upstairs to like open up what's called the white hot party. And that's it. That's kind of the day. It's just a lounging in between the tech run and the um, show. Just if people need a nap or getting some food because, you know, you don't really have time to get food in between shows and no one really likes to eat before the show because then you're like feeling bloated and gross. (laughs) And especially like on Tuesday when we do our disco show, like half of us are shirtless most of the time. So no one wants a full stomach of food when you have to dig off your shirt on stage. Um, So yeah, that's kind of the typical day on the ship, and you know it does kind of go by fast. And on a sea day, you're trying to fill the time because there's it's again it's a good problem to have, but when you're doing it for eight months, it gets lonely and boring to have a full day with no communication to the outside world
1: except for you know internet which you pay for, so it's pricey. And the people around you on your contract that you may or may not get along with, yeah,
0: yeah, so that's the other caveat, like thankfully, we actually have a good group, so no one really has any issues, but still, it's the same you know you're in the same bubble, so you know sometimes it's just like I can't be near this person right now, right. <laughs> I'm
1: tired of them how many How many hours do you work a week um on a normal week,
0: it's probably
1: like
0: twenty five pretty minimal to be honest um but we because our show is relative one of the shows like i said is relatively dangerous we actually have had a lot of injuries so when an injury does happen then you're when a new person flies out to the ship you're basically teaching them all of the shows so we've we have a new person right now so we had reblock last night at 11:30 and 7 o'clock last night as well and then um He learned part of it and we'll have another rehearsal probably tomorrow night. So that's the only time you ever rehearse on a ship is when you have someone get injured and then a new person flies out. You'll have to teach them the shows. And so on those weeks you can get, you know, 30 to 40 hours like a normal person. But normally it's pretty minimal, the 25 to 30 hour mark.
1: So some financial questions. Uh How much is your apartment in New York?
0: My apartment in New York. It's a four bedroom and it is 3,400. So we pay, it's like 875 each. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then utilities, thankfully again, split four ways. Um, depends on the month. Obviously in the summer, sometimes it can get up to about a hundred dollars a person for air conditioning and everything else. In the winter, it's really cheap. It's like 70 bucks, but four ways maybe. Um, so it's around the the nine twenty five to a thousand dollar range with
1: utilities, and how much do you make while you're on the contract on the boat?
0: It varies um from position to position right now I'm making like forty four hundred a month
1: yeah, and that's you really don't have many uh, expenses though
0: nope yeah, so obviously like and if if you wanted to there's free food tons of free food on the ship for us and for the guests um alcohol is really inexpensive for crew in the crew area um so even if you wanted to drink every night like it's you can spend a little bit of money every month um the big things come from when you're important you want to go out to eat or um internet adds up quick that's everyone's a lot of people's biggest expense to be honest
1: and so, what uh, at the end of this contract? Because you you're finished October twenty third, you said. Yeah, October twenty third. What uh, what are you gonna do after that? Are you gonna take some time off or?
0: Yeah, well, not. I mean, yes, take some time off from ships. Um, but like I said, uh, there's you know, you're not guaranteed anything in this profession. So I'll get back. Probably take a two weeks to see friends and maybe see people on in different parts of the country and then it's back to the game auditioning in the morning getting trying to get appointments for shows i want to do probably jumping behind a bar two or three nights a week to like so i don't just blow through the money i've saved and yeah hoping for something in on land um so that i don't have to like leave my life for a year basically at a time so yeah that's the plan um it's right before election day so i'll be hopefully jumping on a campaign. Um, I really enjoyed my time a couple years ago on uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign. So right before election day, so get out the vote is uh, really the the most crucial part of any campaign. So I'll message some friends who are, that's their full-time job, see if I can be housed somewhere and maybe do that.
1: So you you kind of work seasonally as a campaign worker too?
0: Well, yeah, as of late. Um, Wasn't something I... Ever thought I would do until uh the presidential election um when I really felt so strongly about Bernie Sanders specifically um so yeah I devoted a lot of time and uh some money to his campaign and uh kind of it was the most useful I've ever felt in my life so Yeah, if I can help out someone somewhere that could use an extra set of hands that's in a tight race, that would be ideal for me um, in this political climate to hopefully make some change.
1: What were some things you were doing when you were working for the Sanders campaign?
0: Oh, um, well, at first I just wanted to volunteer. Um, So when he got to New York, there was um, an event in Union Square with actually Ben and Jerry. Um, the ice cream guys, so they're from Vermont as well, and they're huge supporters and fans of his for many, many years, Well, since I think back when he was mayor of Burlington. Um, so they were doing this kickoff event in Union Square, and they made like a Bernie flavor of ice cream, and were giving it out. So I just went to like go volunteer. Do
1: you um, remember what the flavor was called?
0: It was, yeah, uh, Bernie's yearning. And uh, <laughs> it was basically if I remember correctly, it was mint chocolate chip ice cream. Oh God. So good. So good. Where all of the chips were on the top on the 1% of the ice cream. (laughs) So it was this big like chip of ice, chip of chocolate at the top that in order to make it mint chocolate chip, you had to break it up and mix it so that everyone got a piece of chocolate. So it was cute and clever. And um, so I just went down to volunteer in Union Square. um, And... Yeah, I got there and I got my first uh set of doors to knock on. Um before the ice cream event kicked off, they were trying to get people to go knock on doors and hand out pamphlets. So I walked around on the lower East Side and knocked on I don't know, maybe 120 doors. Spoke to some people, a lot of who weren't home it was midday, so it's a tough time to do that, but I left a lot of flyers behind, spoke to some people. Got back to Union Square, and that's when everything was starting. So I was just doing what I could. They were trying to organize this event. And obviously, at that point, it was around 5 o'clock, so work was letting out. Union Square is very busy at that time. So it started to get really crazy. There was so many people. And then it's New York, so people see people lining up, and they want to come over and just see. So then there's this massive line for ice cream. Half of them don't even care about the election. Um,
1: They just want that mint chocolate chip. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And... um, I just kind of got thrown into like a leadership role because it just, the, the event got way more out of control than I think they had initially thought. So I was helping corral people and, um, get people to sign up to volunteer. That was kind of one of the conditions, like get some ice cream, but first you have to give us your email and phone number and we'll text you some times. Maybe you can help us out. And then Ben and Jerry were actually there and they gave some speeches and, now this was there just an online like news organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So my friends and they so they were live streaming and a lot of my friends were texting me because I was like literally next to Ben and Jerry. Like they're like you're on this. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm telling you, I went to, as a volunteer and I got thrown in as someone who actually knew what was going on. Um. So then after the event, I helped and stayed and I cleaned up and they asked me if I wanted to be on staff. So I said yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, so then I was helping register volunteers and set up canvases for people on um, the east side of Manhattan. So I was there and um, sending out – they had this app that let it, let you like mass text people but it didn't feel like a mass text. They were really personalized messages and when people responded to you, it went right into the app and you could respond back to them and it wasn't then a mass response. So someone created this app for him that <laughs> Hillary didn't have and it was like awesome – So I would send out, like, thousands of texts a day. And, yeah, canvas. I would canvas myself um, because I really enjoyed talking to people about that race. And um, then I would set up canvases. We'd have basically someone who volunteered to host. I'd go to their apartment with the volunteers, and I would set them up. give them all, like, the flyers for the neighborhoods they had to go to. The doors they had to knock on, give them pamphlets. Um, Then I would also go through those responses that those volunteers got and register them into the computer as like definitely voting for Bernie, maybe voting for Bernie, like people to follow up with. And then there's this huge database with the DNC that like we were using. And so it was a lot, I devoted a lot of time and then I'd go home to Astoria and his actually headquarters in Astoria Queens was across the street from my apartment. So I would go canvas in Astoria as well and knock on doors there, especially because I knew the neighborhood so well. Yeah, it was kind of full-time.
1: You were in the center of the action.
0: Yeah, it was pretty nuts. I helped set up the rally in Washington Square Park as well. Um, So I was one of the volunteers that, yeah, did that. That was a major rally that was more than Obama had. Um, So that was pretty crazy uh, with all the T-shirts and the pins and the posters and the things and getting volunteers you know, set up so that they could register. Again, it was all about registering people to help get out the vote and volunteer their time to canvas and call people. And even I would do that. Like if I had to work that night at the bar, I would call people during the day from my apartment using like an, again, like an app they had, um, through what, through their website. So I was always talking to someone about it. And then I talk about it at work and whatever. And, but the, yeah, the rally was, it was, a was crazy. Um, you know bringing in boxes and boxes of t-shirts and getting searched by secret service and like the whole experience of that and then when the rally actually started i was situated underneath the washington monument like next to his wife and like all the celebrities and yeah it was nuts it was a really cool
1: did you get to meet him
0: i never actually did i I only met his wife because he was wanted to meet like the people who were volunteering. So when he came like over to us, it was more about like the people who don't need their time for the day and not people who like were more permanent positions. But I didn't talk so to Jane. Yeah.
1: Because you got promoted. <laughs> yeah. I never actually didn't get it. to meet no.
0: Which is fine. Um, you know, his wife is lovely and, Everyone who was there was also awesome, like Rosario Dawson and some of the other celebrities. And Nina Turner I met, who now runs his organization, Our Revolution. So I met her. And, um, yeah, it was, pretty, it was pr- pretty wild, to be honest, um, to be a part of that um, event in such a big way for a volunteer or, you know, someone who started out as a volunteer. Um, yeah. And then we did, like, pizza drive at, like, a WeWork office in the city. So it was, like, a phone banking pizza event. Um, Cal Penn showed up. He's uh, Kumar from Haldane Kumar. Um, So he was there, and I got to meet him. And we became friends, exchanged phone numbers. I don't know. It was a weird time where I was meeting celebrities (laughs) and, like, politicians, and they wanted to hang out with me. I don't know.
1: You're like, I just wanted to volunteer.
0: (laughs) And then I literally just went to help out, and I became, like, yeah, in the thick of it with... Some other people who, like, you know, my my direct superior, her name is Emily, and she was, like, shouted out by Bernie at the event. So, like, you know, we were definitely in the thick of it. Like, her and I, she spoke. So, and, like, she didn't know she was speaking, but they wanted her to say something because we had such a, you know, hand in it. So, it was like get up here. Get up here. Literally, like, like a half hour before, she was like, what? (laughs) I need to say something? (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, it was cool. So... On the cruise ships, what are some other jobs on the ship that um, that maybe if you had friends back home that were like, hey, I want to get on cruise ships too, but don't have that musical theater, or singing or dancing background, what are some other jobs that they might be able to apply to and get?
0: A um, couple. I think the, the toughest job would be anything in hospitality. um would be the hardest because you work all the time. Um, so the, the best jobs would probably be like retail so there's obviously on every ship there's tons of shopping they have jewelry stores and you know um there's liquor stores and clothing and um you know whatever else depending on the ship there's a lot like you know the size of the ship rather so like the norwegian bliss which pops in has probably an insane amount of shopping on that ship and we have a little bit but shopping is great because kind of like the cast but not exactly you have a lot of time off because anytime you're in port you can't sell anything if you're near port, you can't sell anything. Um, so there's a lot of times where the shops are closed. And they're doing inventory and stuff like that a lot of the time as well, but they still get to like hang out in port a lot. So like if you're interested in retail, retail on a ship is a really solid position because of the amount of time you do get off. Sea days for retail are insane. Those people work nonstop. But um, portes are really nice. So if you get a contract like in the Mediterranean or in Asia where you're basically in port every single day, it's pretty
1: good. Those are the cush jobs. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're literally working like just at night while you're sailing to the next city. Um, and then, um, it's again, it's a different position on other ships, but uh, cruise staff or people who help run events. So you're part of the entertainment department. You do work a lot, um, but that's a pretty easy gig to get for people. Um, people who are interested in ships so you're basically like a game show host so you'll host scavenger hunts and bingo and trivia and um actual game shows like um on our ship we have deal or no deal which is hosted by our cruise director but then there's like battle of the sexes which is hosted by a cruise staff and things of that nature so that's a pretty easier job to get um for anyone who's interested in jumping on ships, but not a performer, um, so you're still like you know in the thick of everything, and people know you, and that's really fun. Cause, you know, every week you got a new couple thousand people to entertain, so um, you know you do feel kind of important. You always get spotted, and people want to talk to you um, when you're a part of entertainment. One
1: of the celebrities on the show. One
0: of the celebrities, you know. I say every week I got a new batch of fans to impress. <laughs> uh, so crew staff, um, and then yeah, retail shopping is is a good good gig. And, again, depends on the ship. There is, like, an IT department. So if you're tech, you could do something there. There's normally not that many people that work in that department. Um, I know Holland America has, because their clientele is very old, um, they have, like, a Microsoft workshop on board. So there's, like, a person on there who teaches them how to use, like, Photoshop and email and, like, things like that. So that, you know, you're basically, like, a genius bar person on a ship for microsoft on holland and um so yeah there's opportunity across lines for people who are more techie um but i would say those are the two easiest would be the shopping and the event staff
1: what what does the resume look like of somebody that's like going after a cruise director or assistant cruise director
0: that's a good question i'm not sure i would assume it would be like any other job you'd probably just put all of your work experience anything in hospitality you'd want to put on before anything else, because that's the goal. We're Entertainment is part of the hotel department on ships. So um, hospitality is the most important. You don't have to have any hosting experience per se, but I would say you probably need some sort of, whether it's hotel experience itself, like front desk or restaurant experience or something of that nature where you're interacting with people all the time and new people all the time so they know like you know how to handle yourself when situations get tough which is always going to happen on a ship people are on vacation they're very entitled um, so you need to know how to navigate those situations in a very professional way but also you need to be personable so normally you you develop those skills when you work in a restaurant or a hotel like how to you know please without being super fake um so i would say th- those would be the biggest ones at a lot of you know uh performers normally become cruise directors they just fall in love with ships maybe don't want to perform anymore or can't for whatever reason vocally um so they try and stay in that arena and um stay on as cruise directors or assistant cruise directors or whatever so like our current cruise director was a singer years ago and i know that's pretty common so ex-performers stay in um but I'd say for non-performers, as long as you have some hospitality experience, probably pretty simple.
1: What <clears throat> What is uh one of the itineraries that you'd most like to get onto?
0: Probably anything in Australia, New Zealand. Um, there's a lot of contracts like that. It's just the the tough part about doing something like that is it's normally the time I want to be in New York as well. It's the winter time that ships head over there, so like our ship is crossing back to Asia when we leave Alaska in two weeks. To ultimately get to australia new zealand for like december november december um and that's high like um january february even some of october are like really big audition times for new york and la that's when pilot season is if you're in in for television so like you know you're missing all of that if you take a ship over the winter so that's why this is my second season alaska because so many ships come up here for the summer um but I do really want to go there, and cruising I think would be a really nice way to see it because it is so expensive to get over there from the states.
1: And you see a lot of parts of it yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, it's you know it's pretty big country to fly across, and so you see like a lot of the, and and again as a performer you do get a lot of time off in ports, so I'd be able to you know, that's the nice thing. Like yeah. We're only in Ketchikan for a few hours, but it's a few hours for months at a time every week. So by the time you leave, you've seen so much of Alaska and other places that um, that would be ideal. Um, And obviously the Mediterranean, like who wouldn't, what's nice about the Mediterranean is you're basically in a new stop every day. There's not many sea days, which can be a tough part of coming up here or the Caribbean. There's a lot of sea days sometimes. Um, So the Mediterranean is normally a very coveted itinerary because of... Yeah, you're always in port <laughs> and that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I know when I was on, uh, the cruise ship, the, the crew and the cast were, they didn't like the sea days, but I love them because you know, I'm not on the cruise ship all the time. So, and we happen to have that captain that liked to skip ports a lot. And so it was, it was good for me, not so good for everybody else.
0: It is a funny thing. Like when I was in Holland, we had a a lot of what we call s- surprise sea days. And it normally was going into Skagway, Alaska. They were, always claimed the wind or something they couldn't ever get in, uh, especially towards the end of the season. And we have never had one of those on Norwegian. And we had a lot on Holland America. A it lot, was yeah. so weird. And it always kind of sounded like, like a little bit of BS. Um, maybe just inexperience. I don't know, but the jewel is about the same size as the new Amsterdam and they can get in fine (laughs) even on the rough sea days. So I don't know. Um, yeah, sea days can be tough, like I said, because yeah, guests sometimes like them and even in port, you'll see guests that just, they just come to Alaska and they don't get off the ship. People just like being on the ship. Um, but for us, yeah, we're around each other all the time. So everyone needs a little bit of a breather to go get wi-fi and talk to people from home or download movies or use youtube or just get away from each other get away from each other and get away from like the isolation because again even though like we can pay for internet um almost every single ship at this point doesn't allow video on crew internet so you're never able to watch anything online so you miss out you do miss out on a lot of news a lot of entertainment, things of that nature. So people normally want to get off and like catch up on the world that you've missed for the whole week.
1: I definitely have been used in the bar as sort of the mule for like jump drives. Like one person on a ship will give me, you know, a hundred and some gig jump drive full of TV shows and whatever else. And they're like, okay, my friend's going to be in three days off of this ship and they're going to come find you. And I'm like, okay. And I give it to them, you know?
0: That is a nice thing about chips. Like I, I never had a hard drive full of crap like that. And now I've got like, two full hard drives of movies and TV shows. <laughs> so there's tons of things for me to watch that I've well, always wanted. I'm like, I, I one of the few that's not seen Breaking Bad. I know, I know. But now I have all of it on a hard drive from someone who had it. So it's, it's a fun way to, like, illegally get stuff from people
1: without <laughs> actually
0: downloading it and getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you... I, I think that it's definitely sort of a type of seasonal lifestyle. It's much, much more specialized and the seasons are kind of different. But, you know, you've had a lot of or you've met a lot of people that do what you do. And then you've had at least uh, some exposure to that other side of seasonal work with the tour guides that you see in every poor, the bartenders, the servers, all that. Um, what do you think? sort of about the seasonal lifestyle in general? I mean,
0: especially on a ship, it is nice. Um, I don't, I'm not sure how it works um, in other places. Uh, I'm sure there are some jobs you can get where they like put you up and stuff, but you still you know, pay for things. That is the best part about seasonal work on a ship. It is basically expense-free. So, and I know that's why tons of people do it from other countries, like poorer countries, because they just save money there's nothing to pay for. And most of them don't spend too much money on lug- luxury things. They just send all their money home because you can, you, that's what you can do. Like you, you know, I spend a couple hundred bucks a month, which is crazy when you think about it, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, you get taxed pretty nicely on the ship, but that just means like when I get off the ship, it's basically tax season. I just get a huge refund. Um, so it's not like I was struggling because of taxes. It's just I enjoy my taxes getting taken out because then I leave the ship and I get them back basically. So for me, it's like not a problem, but that is the best part about seasonal work on a ship is I get to do what I love for eight months. I get to travel and see the world and not have to spend any money. And then I get back to New York and don't have to like struggle as much, <laughs> still a struggle. Cause you can, you know, like I said, I rent a thousand dollars plus subway and you know, everything you need to get around, uh, you can blow through your bank account really fast if you're not careful but on a ship, you know, it's a long... It's the probably the only job in in the entertainment industry outside of being lucky enough to book, like, a hit TV show where you have guaranteed work for eight months unless, you know, if you're stupid and get fired for drinking or something stupid. It's never like that. A Broadway show, like, I have tons of friends who have booked new Broadway shows but not of a job in a month because it didn't sell enough tickets. No one cares. They They booked... Even if they don't come to the show, I'm still. It doesn't matter. That is nice. You have such job security on a ship for the basically a full year. You know, I have a na I had a national commercial on the air. That was a week worth of work. Then you. That's it. <laughs> then you got to figure out like what's the next gig, and you know, it's gig to gig, and on a ship you have so much time to save money and perform, which is um, a luxury in of itself. So.
1: So you turn to seasonal life for more security and consistency. Yeah. Which is the exact opposite of most of the people that we talk to. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I mean, that is, yeah, it really is. that It's, it's the safe safety and security of doing what I love, but then the freedom to when I get, so when I get back to the city to pursue what I love as well, you know what I mean? Um, not having to work more than two or three nights a week. Um, You can get away with that when you have thousands of dollars in the bank from performing and not spending any money on a ship so it's the freedom just all around to do what i love because it's really hard to make this career work um for a full year (laughs) you know yeah everyone can can book a job and make a couple thousand dollars for a month but doing it consistently is really tough um Because so much of the job is based on viewership, whether it's a TV show or a Broadway selling tickets or whatever. Or, you know, if you book a regional theater gig and you're doing these shows that are amazing in whatever country, I mean, country, uh, state, you're not making good money normally. They don't really pay well. That's a struggle. Then you get back and you have nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so hard uh, to actually make uh, a good living. People can survive, but that's not a good living performing and ships give you that opportunity and and it we it's just lucky now that um, companies are investing heavily into entertainment it's not like a stereotypical cruise ship show anymore where there's like a negative connotation as a performer no you're doing like really amazing stuff and now actual broader musicals on certain ships so the jobs are really coveted and that's why Bookingham is really hard now. Like they travel all over the world seeing thousands of people in every city to cast 12 people, two male singers on my ship. I'm one of two. Like, it's they're really hard to get because now they're even traveling to countries like the Philippines to cast dancers and, and maybe even singers. But mostly dancers there, they go to Australia, they go to London, they go all over the U.S., they go to Canada. Like, it's not just
1: an audition in New York for a ship. They travel all over the world. They're putting more money into it, casting the wider net.
0: It's still the same number of jobs. Like, right. yeah, they open, you know, they're building more ships and stuff. But, you know, it's still two singers, two male singers, two female singers per ship. Yep. Maybe three if you're on a bigger cast. Um, so yeah.
1: Well, it's, yeah, it sounds like, cause earlier while we were eating, you told me that your agent, you know, she said, Oh, I'm not worried about, you know, getting you a job when <laughs> you get back and yeah. you were, and it, it sounds like you have the perfect mindset for this sort of lifestyle because you're still hungry and you know that you have to work to get it. And, but you are getting those jobs over, you know, thousands and thousands of people and that's i mean it's exciting you know
0: yeah and it, it just stems from you know when when you go to a big bfa school like like pacer nyu or ccm or any of these big colleges uh, at the end of your senior year you put on this big showcase for agents managers and casting people to come see you and that's like your 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 hope that someone's going to take you out of college and you're going to get appointments so you don't have to like struggle through open calls and um I had no success out of college, like with that. I had no meetings from agents and managers, not even a meeting. Um, I had some casting people like email me for appointments for shows, but it was still all on my own. Um to the point where like a few years after I graduated, maybe f- like five years after I graduated, I met someone, uh, an agent at a bar. Um who was representing my roommate at the time. And he was there hosting some events. So I, the agent was there just to say hi to Matt or whatever. And we were talking and he asked me like where I went to school. And I said, with that guy who you represent, he's like, wait, you were in a showcase. And I was like, yeah, he goes, I don't remember you at all. <laughs> and like, it's just like, I left for some reason, no impression on <laughs> anyone. And, you know, then he saw me and saw my resume and he wanted to start working with me. It's just, so I'd had nothing like that. So it's just kind of for me building my career from like the ground up, not having like any sort of leg up after graduation, which a lot of people sometimes get. So, yeah. And then you struggle in the city for eight years without like a big job and you finally get one. You know what I mean? So it's always that fear of like, it's never going to happen because it didn't happen for so long. But I've been really lucky the last four years of getting a lot of work, not just cruise ships, but it's still that fear. Of like you're just going to get rejected. And it's not even a no. I think it'd be less of a, less of a worry if like I knew I was going to go in and they were just going to tell me no in a couple of days. It's just like the ghosting. That's the right, <laughs> the <yeah>. worst part. <laughs> it's
1: the worst. I think That's a pretty bad part in real life too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you never get that. Only, only sometimes I remember when I was in for Aida cruise line, got to the final round, filled it on my paperwork and they're like, great, we'll call you when we get to Germany with a final answer. And it was, it felt like they landed and he called me like right off the plane. They were like, "Never mind," like, oh, <laughs> but at least no. I got a no, but it was like they landed in Germany without hesitation. <laughs> Maybe they talked the whole plane right about me and they were like, you we <laughs> know, but at least I wasn't strung along and that's the hardest part. Oftentimes you really are, you feel like you're strung along and uh, so
1: I'd rather just get a no. Yeah. Well, you know, now you're killing it. So
0: Trying, trying uh, up here in Alaska, yeah.
1: Well, thanks for talking to me today, Pasquale. It's great seeing you every week, yeah. and best of luck in the future. Thanks, man. It's been fun. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Dininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Yeah. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.